Welcome back, everyone, to I Loved This Conversation. I'm Alex Salzberg. I'm a creative person, and I have conversations with other people about what they're currently going through in their creative lives. And I love those conversations, and uh, I hope you do too. Today's guest is Whitney Tressel, an art therapist in Santa Fe. Very excited about this episode. Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. I'm recording this intro in 2022, but you'll hear it in 2023, so... Hope that year is going well. I'm recording this in Connecticut. My wife's work has taken us temporarily to a (laughs) summer camp where no one is right now. So it's very, very quiet. And they've given us a really, really nice apartment to live in. But I don't have my microphone with me. So like some of the other weeks where I record audio on the go, I hope this sounds okay To be honest, I feel a little bit of imposter syndrome whenever I put out less than ideal audio in the intro because I'm worried someone will turn this on. I have this like vision that some like famous, cool person will be uh, somehow stumble upon this and then turn it off after two seconds and be like, well, bad mic. So uh, very unprofessional. So yeah, I'm, I'm in Connecticut. It's very quiet and this nice apartment that they gave us to stay at on the quiet, empty summer camp has like a nice little office space for me. For context, when I'm in Boston, I have kind of more of an office corner, a desk corner. I feel like I'm getting so much more done in this quiet place with a lot of space for me and and a couple other comforts that I don't have in Boston. And it's nice and it's perfect timing because I'm in the final throes for the next few months of like a huge project. But it also makes me feel sort of soft. Like I always envision myself as this sort of nomadic, can work anywhere, remote work, freelancer type. But really, like I work best when I'm just really comfortable and have privacy. And I think that's fine. I just, I'm just not as cool as I think I am. Speaking of nomadic, one of the things we talk about with Whitney is her time uh, living in a camper van for two years. We also talk a lot about how to know if it's time to make a change, a big change in our careers and our lives. We talk about solitude. We talk about crying. We talk about doing less multitasking. And we talk all about Whitney's career as an art therapist, which is kind of just starting. Whitney is a really old friend. I've known her since freshman year of college, and that really comes through in the interview. Whitney is absolutely one of the reasons that this podcast exists, because when I think of all of the amazing conversations that I've had with other creative people over the years, Whitney, as an old friend, is someone that has had hundreds of those conversations. And when I felt called to do a podcast like this, it's because of friends like Whitney that have brought such amazing, fulfilling conversation to my life. So this conversation that you're hearing with Whitney, it's the first one you get to hear, but it's one of probably um, probably at least 100 conversations that she and I have had in the last bleh, almost 20 years. I'm so happy to share it with you. We recorded this episode at Whitney's house in Santa Fe when we were visiting her a couple weeks ago. I love Santa Fe so much, and Whitney's house feels like part of the peace and creativity that imbues that city. You will hear 
wind chimes in the background, which I actually think is kind of nice and kind of adds to the relaxed at home feel of this conversation. Um, But I did want to warn you so that you don't think that some sort of like iPhone alarm is going off in the other room or whatever. Anyway, enjoy the wind chimes. Enjoy this conversation. Let's meet our guest and hear her connection to me. I am Whitney Tressel, and I've known Salzburg half of my life, half of our lives. Um, <laughs> 40,000 years. <laughs> so, gosh, okay, first met Salzburg as my next door neighbor. Yes. I could just talk to you instead of talking to you in third person. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, we both went to RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology, and We were assigned on the same floor, the same dorm floor. Yes. And we're trying to figure out our room numbers the other day. But point is, we were next door neighbors. And honestly, I think you were one of the first people I met. I remember coming up to you and being like, hi, I'm Whitney. And just like putting on my full extrovert side, which, you you know, half your life later, you realize I'm not as extroverted (laughs) as that moment. Right. But I do remember eventually introducing myself to you. I'm going to open with a big question. Okay, super ready. Um, Whitney Tressel, what is something you are currently going through in your creative life? Oh my gosh, well, it's really exciting. So I just graduated from a graduate program to be an art therapist and mental health counselor. And so creatively, right now, I'm integrating, I'm taking that like three-year student journey and integrating it into like my now clinical practice as a real therapist. It's a threshold. It's a transition between being in higher education for so long through a global pandemic and then applying it more than I ever have. So it's like super vulnerable. Yeah. And super exciting. I feel like such a newbie yet so darn excited that like <laughs> I don't even care that I'm a newbie. Right, right. <laughs> I feel like I've been doing this waiting for this yeah. like my whole life. Right. Um, well, from what but, I know about any and this is true of any field where there's like clinical stuff, you've worked with patients a lot over the last 3 years. So you're yeah. in many ways not a newbie, I'm sure. Right, right. But it's yeah. just that threshold of graduation, of course, right? Yeah. And the, the initial licensure and taking the test and all that yeah, stuff yeah. that puts me in the beginner's mind again. Well, First off, I'm really excited for you for graduating. Thanks. Um, and, and I know you, as I've known you half my life, I know this has been a journey for you and a really interesting path. Um, so I have like a million questions, but I am going to start with what I think you expected me to ask, which, which is something I'm going to say I 75% know the answer to this. Yeah. What is art therapy? <laughs> question. It is hard for me. I was sharing with Salzburg before this. I really need to make a more concise answer because <laughs> my family, friends are like, great, you're an art therapist. What? What's, <laughs> what is that? It is a multitude of things. What I will say is that on top of what I could say would be regular therapy or talk therapy, mm-hmm. it's a way to either go deeper into your consciousness or unconsciousness mm-hmm. for that matter, to get more kind of material of like what's under certain feelings, what's under certain thoughts, what's maybe not as obvious or descriptive through verbal Mm -hmm. conversation, through words. I work with a lot of people who've gone through significant traumas, and trauma is often remembered in images. 
like times you were really activated. Often our brain has an image of that, right? And also of like really joyful moments, like really memorable moments are like a snapshot, right? Yeah. So to work within art therapy to help process some of that is like meeting the distress or trauma where it's at, like like working in imagery, healing within imagery because that's how it's remembered in our bodies. Mm. That's like my definition of it. That's cool. Yeah. What it's also not is you don't have to be able to draw. Right. You don't have to be able to be a good artist yeah. or an artist. And it's not just for children. In fact, I work with mostly adults. Is it possible to give an example without being specific about any specific patient? Is it possible to give an example of maybe like, an archetypal art therapy session, like what that hour or whatever looks with you might look like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. It so depends. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, yeah. It's such a... Um, it, just, it can just be like a snapshot of one type of thing you might do in a session. Or... What's coming to mind is uh, one with a substance use group. We would do what's been named as the bridge drawing, meaning like just draw yourself on a bridge draw a bridge mm-hmm. like and it's really just like yeah. I would leave it like that right, right. And give them most of the session right I don't like to put a timer on things I just like to keep an eye on what's going on I'm not like super clinical I'm not super right. assessment e I will never interpret your art piece like right. you'll interpret oh, your own art piece cool. and it becomes their process and their journey and I'm really whatever if this sounds cheesy but a guide on the side right and yeah. sometimes I have to hold the light, right? Yeah, and then, But yeah. really, it's their journey, and I'm walking with them. So when they finish the bridge drawing, then what happens? Right, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, gosh, anything, that's the best part for me about art therapies. Anything can freaking happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've had people, like, draw it and then be like, oh, no, turn it over, draw a different bridge. Yeah. Decide, okay, markers suck. I'm going to do paint. Like, can you give me paint? Some mm. people aren't even on. They're like, I'm not, I'm under the bridge. You know, there's... Often imagery, stick figures, hearts, clouds, whatever, like, you know, towards where they're walking versus where they came from. Mm. Um, Some people turn the bridge itself into a rainbow or the bridge like texture is significant. So worlds can happen. But what happens with the processing of the art is that honestly, we just both look at it. I'd be like, you know, wow, it's really interesting that there's a palm tree growing on your bridge and then there's lightning on the right hand side but then you just came from like there's all these dogs over there and I mean it could be anything (laughs) (laughs) and so but then it helps that person be like yeah actually this tree's in the way like it's Uh, a barrier I can't get past it I'm like well what what is this tree but then also for example, this bridge, why I brought this one up too, is because if I'm with this a group or a person for several months or a year or so, we can go back to the bridge mm. and be like, where are you on the bridge now? Is the tree there? Did you climb it? Where Did you bring the dogs over? Are the... Now I right. forget what I put on my bridge. Right. <laughs> did the lightning subside? Yeah. And that's more of an like a very assessment side of things of art therapy it's like to me a more fun in-depth way of being like where you at right in in this case in your recovery or in your process from trauma or whatever do you find i mean of the people you've you've worked with through your grad school experience like the patients are many of them artists and 
the ones that lean more that direction, do they have a harder or easier time with art therapy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, most of my clients are not, yeah. can, do not consider themselves artists. Right, right. Right. It is really interesting to watch others who are like mm-hmm. talented in art making try to break out of that because mm. like someone like you, Alex, like you are a good drawer. And so, like, I wonder how art therapy would be for you to, like, kind of tap out of that. Yeah. And just go with the process and the feeling and the mess, because that's where the healing is. Right. Occasionally over the years in therapy as an adult, I've done exercises that maybe qualify as art therapy where there's some drawing involved. And then also in my own, I don't know if you call it journaling or just, like, writing, like, for myself, inevitably there's, like, a cartoon element to it where I'll draw, like... What, for instance, today I was writing about what tools I have that I can like lean on this week for what I need to do this week. And then I draw a little toolbox next to it. That's fun for me. But then sometimes I do, like if I mess up on the toolbox, (laughs) I'm like, shit, should I start over? And then I have to be like, nobody's looking at this except me. It's for me. It's okay if I cross out the toolbox. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it's a a catch-22, like those using that part of my brain, that like sort of cartooning part does sometimes help me express things. But then also on the flip side, there's another part of my brain that feels it's important to draw cartoons well. Right, because you know? you're tapping into yeah. that. <laughs> and maybe, and maybe there's also I don't know, but maybe there's like almost like a ego thing with it of like, well, in in a hundred years when they've put my notebook pages in a museum, like, I don't actually think Classic. that's gonna happen. But like, yeah. there's that like, well, when someone discovers my journals, oh, they're gonna love this drawing. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I well, as a disclaimer, <laughs> I'm not always thinking like that, but I think like there's a part of us. It's sometimes hard to turn off for me the the hypothetical audience. I've gotten a lot better at that. Oh, wow. Okay. I noticed too, like the more people involved, the more insecure folks can get. Right. right? It can take time, I've noticed, for people to really let go. Yeah. Of what, not necessarily like perfectionism part of like trying, but just like, is this good enough? Am I doing it right? Yeah. Like, or whatever. So there's those like similar, tangential, like similar thoughts of like, I need to redo this. Who's going to see it? What does it mean? I know we've used the word like draw a lot so far in this conversation. Yeah. The concept of like drawing and painting and creating and what is like quintessential visual arts is often how art therapy sessions can go. But sometimes I know within two seconds that like that's not like this would be not a good thing to do. Like that would make think whatever anxieties are here harder. So you can also like just bring out paint and um, I'm trying to make a sound here. See if that it picks it up. Ooh, ASMR. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, you should probably say what you just did. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Whitney, for the listeners, was, um, Thank you. was uh, miming, I think, finger painting. So you just, yeah, yeah like paint yeah. and moving hands around in circles. Yeah. Um, also, I have a sand tray, like a large tray of sand oh, that cool. people just put their hands in and move their hands through sand and yeah. create you know, just shapes and then they disappear in the sand. Often that kind of thing to bring to someone who maybe has a block or ability-wise can't like just do a marker and a paper. I want to name that, that like we can create art with 
with sand and paint and clients so often emote like immediately mm. like often i mean i have a sand tree right over there and putting your hands in the sand can just like bring so much out. right and that's art that's also art therapy it's texture it's media yeah. it's it's touching something in you that is not just yet in the prefrontal cortex where we verbalize right, things. Right, right. You just graduated and you're entering now the world of working with patients as, is that going to be sort of your own practice, your own business? Right now, January of 2023, I'm on a big break. I'm taking a break, which is extremely important. Yeah. It's important to take juicy breaks. <laughs> I'm over. I'm overdue for a real juicy break. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's so. It can be so hard to break. We could do a whole episode about the the revolution of rest, right? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, but when I get back to it, I'll be doing a hybrid of a private practice, like a private practice collective, because mm-hmm. I'll still need a mentor, a supervisor that I meet with once a week mm-hmm. to just be like, it's still going well, or yeah. like, holy holy moly, I need help with this situation, you know. So I'll be doing some of that. And where I did my clinical internship was up on Nambe Pueblo. I live in New Mexico, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's about a half hour north. I work with Native folks. The communities here of Indigenous folks, their communities are named Pueblos. Mm -hmm. I'm an outsider. I'm a white therapist that goes on up to Nambe and is extremely humbled to be working with Native folks, especially in this area of the country. And that was such a profound internship, a huge reason that I wanted to learn in that capacity with that group of people is that because the form of what may be the Western lens of therapy Mm -hmm. isn't as um, helpful. Ah. in Native communities. And I don't want to glaze over that. These are big topics that, like, I am not. I do not have expertise in. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to speak to my experience in Nambe Public because, sure. God, there's hundreds of Native communities. But often what we do in session is instead of being in an office with four white walls, eye contact, two chairs, right. looking at each other. God forbid people still put that couch when they yeah. do therapy. Like, that is the so... Sort of like- far side New Yorker oh cartoon of a therapist. It's like a hundred years dated. That's like yeah. nine, very 1920s. But uh, we often go on walks, right? So mm. we'll walk. A client and I will just walk side by side and just chat. Sometimes we'll collaborate with nature and like just use nature as metaphor. You know, someone will be describing something. And I'll be like, well, what here? What do you see here? What do you smell here? What do you taste here? What do you feel here that like is what you're experiencing right now, Mm. you know? And again, I'm making this up for confidentiality, but like, I feel like that dried dead leaf on the ground. Like I used to be like this leaf in the tree that Mm. was like flowering. And now I'm in this like crusty hibernation, like cycle of life. Right. It's almost in that case, the art form that they're doing, if if this is considered art therapy, this part of it is like, poetry or metaphor, you know, exactly. like writing in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Academically, it would be more considered expressive arts therapy, mm-hmm. but that again is more through like the Western lens of like, this is this, yeah. this is this, and this is right. this. But for me, it's just being a therapist and like doing something with a client that would best fit their needs. Right. Is my category of 
therapy. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So this this art therapy yeah. chapter of your life, which has been about the last three or so years, yeah. because I've known you half my life, I've known you through many chapters, and your path has been, um, if not winding, it's been varied. So I'm curious, something to ask you, if you don't mind, let's pretend we're on an elevator together, and if you could like... <laughs> If you had like eight floors to just tell me like what your creative career or creative path has been, creative journey has been, uh, how would you do it on those eight floors? No pressure. Okay. If we get to floor 10, it's fine. I'll go back down to my floor. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm better at this. Yeah. <laughs> I know myself better than I know art therapy. <laughs> that's for sure. And that's the slogan on your business card, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That'll be a good start. Um, <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. Let's let's jump to high school. Let's start oh, in high if that's okay. I love it. High school grew up doing darkroom photography. Mm-hmm. So grateful to have learned photography in the darkroom. Yeah. Boom. Fell in love with photography. Ha- got straight A's and everything else, but it was the only teacher that was like, you have a gift in this. You should do this. She was like, oh, good. A human adult telling me what I should do. I'll go do that. Yeah. I'm a, like malleable 17-year-old. Yeah. Um, so I became a photographer, and I went to Rochester Institute of Technology, which at the time um, was a really huge, is still a huge photography school. So, you know, kind of went through the motions, did photography. Mm-hmm. It was really intense. I got actually burned out in college as a photographer and decided to see the other side of the desk as a photo editor like photo director Mm -hmm. uh, person, the person who recognizes and assigns photographers and their talent to do the shoots for magazines, websites, brands. So I loved working in that capacity, almost like a curator. Mm. Um, Worked in various magazines, uh, mostly Esquire and Budget Travel were my two like big magazine experiences. And then I realized I loved traveling a lot more. Mm. I was like, Hmm, I'd rather do travel than men's fashion. And so... <laughs> You're like, landscapes are more interesting than pants. <laughs> totally. I'm like, this is not my realm. Yeah. yeah. No, it was like, I actually learned a ton at Esquire. It was brilliant. But I transitioned more into the travel world. And at the arc of this, I know we're on like floor nine. The arc <laughs> of this is that like... I realized as I went what was really important in my life. And so went the travel route, but still in magazines and brands and then got unburnt out from my own photography. So dipped into my own photography Mm. and then really realized that like, yay, photography is fun. Yay, I have a gift. But this is not right. I was like, this is not right. This is not my like end goal. This is not it. Can I pause the elevator? Sorry. Because that's really no. Because because what you said is it really broke interesting. Down. The elevator broke what, down. Yeah, <laughs> we're pushing the emergency button now. No, what um what did that feeling that you just described, that this is not right, what did that feel like if you can describe it? Or you can draw it if you want. Oh, oh I know. I, oh, what did it feel like? Gosh, ultimately, we're gonna go somatic mm-hmm. here. Ultimately, it felt a little pukey. Uh. I felt a little empty behind my eyeballs and I felt like there was sort of this stringy existence in my body Mm. that I was like, it's fine. What we're doing is fine. This is okay. But it just felt so, it didn't feel fake, but it felt um, unstable. It felt 
floaty and it felt ungrounded. It felt okay. not right. That's, was that too wild of a description? No, that was perfect. <laughs> and like, I think that's helpful. That helps me know what to look for more. Cause I'm, I'm really good at noticing when something is right. Yeah. So like an example of this, which is a nice example because it means I'm going to make more of these. It's like when I'm editing this podcast, it feels very right. And mm. I could probably describe it in, in body terms too, but like. Do it. What? How does your body feel right? It feels actually in a sense, it almost feels like merged with the editing process in a weird way. Maybe that's like like merged with the art. I edit in like a transcription program. So there's, it's almost like editing a Word doc. And I almost feel like I'm like, this is so abstract and cartoony, but like, it. I'm like jumping around the letters. Sounds aligned. Aligned, well. yeah. yeah. And so I'm good at noticing that. But I'm bad at noticing, I think, or I won't say bad, that's a value judgment. I'm, I'm learning better to notice when things are not right. And mm. so I think it's helpful to hear some of what you looked for. Yeah, um, it became uh, yeah. bodily. Anyway, so so I pause. So I pause you. I paused oh, you there. Yeah. And we can unpause. We they they fix the elevator. We're going. <laughs> up. Thank God. Um, so when you when you started feeling stringy and and all those things, what what next? Yeah. So I I paid attention to that, which I don't always do mm -hmm. to this day. Today, my uh, growing edge is like listening to those yeah. somatic things I just yeah. described and doing the hard thing. But in this case, nailed it. Eventually nailed it, not yeah, in yeah. that first feeling, right? But kept paying attention, kept paying attention. And then honestly, process of elimination, I just started, I started discovering what I didn't want anymore. Like what mm. was not right in a, ver like how you asked, how could you tell what wasn't right? I, I more cognitively decided which wasn't right because what I didn't say in my first part of the elevator speech was that my first half so far of my career was in New York City. Mm -hmm. And something I realized was that I didn't want to be in New York City, and yet I didn't know where else I wanted to be. Mm. And so it was a process of elimination, which brought me to traveling the country in a camper van for what turned out to be two years. Yeah. At the time, I didn't know how long it would be or what the hell was going on, but I just knew it wasn't this, meaning what right. I was in at the time. And that was wild. What a decision. Because I yeah. think most of us, are when we successfully get to the it's not right point, we're like, yeah. well, then what's next? I was really stumped. Yeah. I really wanted to, like, break down, shave down, chip away at, like, what wasn't true and try to find what was, which right. now is sounding really canned, but I totally just made that up in my brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that yeah, there was like um, sort of a longing for myself. It's not always important to like place things on ages or for us to know oh, like how old people you. were, but yeah. I, think, I think here it might be interesting to share like how old you were when you made this, this change. Yes, I was 31. Mm -hmm. I'm 37 right now. And I was 31. And it, there were some like kind of thoughts at the time that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like an elder van life. Right, right. That's <laughs> but, but a lot of us think that about a lot of things. Right. Like, well, now I'm an elder therapist. Right. And, and I've listened to your other podcasts where like the animator started late. Yeah. Heavy air quotes. Like, yeah, yeah. Started late. Yeah. But I love us. I love us yeah. elder humans. Glennon Doyle. She said this line, and I'm going to not get it right, is... <laughs> Just the essence of paying attention to yourself rather than who the world told you you should be. Mm. I could have went through the rest of my life doing what I was doing, and honestly, it probably would have been fine. Right, right. Which is, wow, 
hashtag privilege, hashtag man life. No, just kidding. <laughs> but like, yeah, super privileged, super yeah. lucky, super, I mean, I worked my ass off. So also fortunate, like in that way. But, you know, I, I wasn't, it wasn't right. And I found, I tried to find other ways, like, so within photography to help. Right. Because yeah. I had this like longing of like, I need to give back, so to speak. There was this like just clinging that I was like, I'm not harming anybody by shooting travel features and right. inspiring people to get out of their house. But it wasn't it wasn't who I truly was. And maybe even someday I'll think that about therapy. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have another elder moment and be right. like, oh, yeah. OK, act three. Yeah, yeah, and, why not? And how fun is that? That's cool. I, well, I love that you're open-minded to that because that can be scary. I've yeah. I found myself lately becoming more open-minded to that. Like, oh, and, cool. You know, more open-minded to like, what's the next chapter? It could be entirely different and that's okay. Yeah. Um, how, and maybe because it's clear you love animation and most of the time. Yeah. How do you discern when, when it's more than it's, oh, it's just a hard day or a hard week and it's like, oh, this isn't right? yeah. That's a really good question. Something that I'm grateful for is that I've done a lot of work in the realm of prioritizing my own health, and that includes physical and mental health. And I think my boundaries there have improved a lot. So whenever something in my present, whether it's career, how my personal life is going, whatever, whenever it crosses a line where it is greatly affecting my mental health or my physical health, Usually those things are extremely Venn diagrammed for me because I I am someone who a big struggle of mine is anxiety and anxiety is very physical. Yes. Um, Yes. So that's when I'm like, okay, this is affecting my like well-being. That means I have to change something. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to change my whole career or my whole path or whatever, but something has to change. And Mm. so I'm grateful for that. I think what I'm worse at knowing is like, does that mean I just need to change how I approach what I'm doing right now, or does that mean I have to change what I'm doing right now? And I don't yeah. always know how to answer that. Whoa. And I want to wrap up your sort of elevator time. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're at the world's tallest building. Yeah, we're in Dubai at this point yeah. on the top of the Burj Khalifa. But uh, <laughs> the um, throughout that road trip, if you can sort of bridge palm trees, lightning, bridge the road trip to sort of where you're at now or or these the art therapy grad school yeah for context i had no plan which was the plan Mm -hmm. um amazing yeah oh that alone was like very freeing cool especially for someone like me some of my process addictions are like workaholism Mm -hmm. people pleasing perfectionism all things i'm working on Mm -hmm. so to go out into a van and not know where i'm gonna sleep each night was just rich. <laughs> um, I have a spirited essence for sure. And yet I'm like, I need control. And it was just one of the best things for someone like me I, that I could have done. And so it ended up being two years and change. And then I got the age old what's next and mm. stuff. And I was like, I avoided that whole thing for years, a yeah. few years. But I, I just got better and better at listening to mm-hmm. my, my body, listening to my intuition, listening and actually following it. Cause let's be honest, I can listen all day, but then to do it is different. And so I landed, so to speak, mentally on a few different places, but ultimately in Santa Fe, New Mexico, based around the grad school that I chose, and so I, I just finally gave myself the space to do the things 
that felt more aligned. Yeah. I also went back to my parents, like to my my mom's house in the basement, and I was looking through like old boxes. And I knew in middle school I wanted to be a therapist. Oh, interesting. I found all this, like, you know, weird stuff you do in middle school. Like, like I don't know, the guidance counselor comes in and is, like, <laughs> already setting you up on a career. And you're yeah. in, like, fifth grade. And, like, you know. But it's, like, <laughs> right? it's so weird. They show you, like, a baseball hat, like a chef hat. And, like, <laughs> like, a paintbrush. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and anyway, so I found this paperwork in the basement of, like, my child self. My, like, 11-year-old self. Yeah. That was, like counselor counselor therapist helping people like you know everything i wrote and so so i even had moments of that of being like oh i already knew and then earlier in my elevator pitch around the third floor when i said that like i only had one teacher in high school and only one person was like do this and so i was like i'll do that and it obviously worked out but like i just finally had the courage and the space to go back to like, okay, but what about me? Right. And then fast forward, grad school would be ages 34 to 37. And I'm th- like I said, I'm 37. And art therapy just seemed to to um, marry, I'd love a better word than that, combined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the essence of my need to help, help myself and help others and the how, like you said, the what and the how, the how I want to do that is with art and with yeah. nature. Amazing. Yeah. That's cool. To the, not to go down, back down any floors, but I just want to, I want to honor the part of the audience that is sitting there going like, you spent two years in a camper. I want to hear all about that. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I think it would have to be a whole separate episode for us to go into that. Maybe we will do like a, not a sequel, but a prequel where we <laughs> hear about that. The, in general, the amount of solitude you must have experienced must have been so above average what folks experienced, at least prior to the pandemic. Yeah. There was a period of the pandemic where I was alone a lot. Yeah. And man, like, it is surreal and 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 otherworldly and sometimes dreamlike to just be alone that much. So I'm curious, like, yeah. t- tell me about your solitude. The solitude element. Yeah. 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 Okay. Most of the time, it was nice. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> I am, despite what you might be hearing in my voice, I am introverted. I'm an outgoing introvert. And so mm-hmm. alone time in solitude is not only nice, quote unquote, but necessary, increasingly necessary. And so at first it was really juicy. Mm-hmm. And I mean at first, like, I mean most of the first year. Yeah. I definitely did see humans that I knew and yeah. strangers. Um, so I wasn't always completely alone. In fact, there were some days where I was like, I hope I arrived to a camping spot and like nobody talks to right, me, right, you know, because right. I, I talked to people at the gas stations. Like, yeah, talk, yeah. People are very curious. And I got a lot. I got that question a lot in the beginning was like, are you lonely? Mm. And I, I knew that that was an option. And I was polite when I responded. But in my head, I was like, no, <laughs> not at all. Right. But then that second year, as it evolved, I was more consistently alone with my thoughts and alone with my feelings. Sort of like repeating that daily element of like figuring out where to shower and where to pee and like how to cook food and like sort of that things became routine. And so then I, and let's see, probably I hadn't cried in like a couple decades I wasn't a crier mm-hmm. I identify as female and yet have a lot of masculine qualities mm-hmm. and by masculine in this case archetypally I mean like 
being strong and stoic and (laughs) not crying and not showing your feelings, which is so detrimental to like masculine identifying humans anyway but like what i mean my mom was very masculine my dad was very masculine and so i just kind of grew up in this like hard ass way yeah and so that and i'm still a hard ass don't worry there's still a lot of that happening (laughs) right right (laughs) but like there's positive sides of that for sure oh my gosh yeah yeah, it got me a lot to where i am and but there was this softening in the Mm. camper that's and that's why i illustrate it in that way and I know in a binary way in this case, because I'm describing it in this way, but there was this softening and this acceptance that was like not as glamorous as it sounds. Right. Um, The more I was alone, the more I was stuck with myself and the more I learned how to accept myself and then honor myself. So now being on the other side of that and by other side, I want to really highlight I'm very much in process. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm no longer in the camper van, but that softening, the, I mean, the essence of language, right? It's so interesting, but yeah. that softening is a, is a strength, is my right, strength. Right, right. I realized, especially through the form of crying, through the form of tears, what if tears are healing? I basically taught myself and allowed myself to feel. Mm. And what helped me through that was creativity and open-mindedness and space, literal and metaphorically. I, in my late 20s, mid-late 20s, I tried to figure it out through my old patterns. I even wrote an article for Esquire <laughs> <laughs> that I forced myself for the month of December to cry every day. And I, wow. Yeah. And I'd wa- it actually didn't get into the magazine. It got put on the web but that's okay <laughs> but anyway it was i'm a, sure there's some bourbon review in its place <laughs> <laughs> i'm like man it didn't make the cut 10 but things in george clooney's wallet <laughs> totally. i like i like More es- esquire does have More some great stuff baby. and i loved i love your i don't need to make fun of esquire I don't no even it's know. okay but, but yeah, yeah i forced myself every day to cry like i'd put on a romantic movie or a wow, song or yeah. like something and i had to force myself yeah, to cry that's hard yeah but then when i just like stopped doing things like externally and like had the courage to look internally mm-hmm. and that transition of the camper like led me into the art processing you know that was able to get those other parts of me up on the surface. Is that something you feel you only could have done with that much solitude? For me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not for everyone. No, of course. Everyone does it different, but, but for me, yes. Yeah, because it's because it's hard yeah. to find solitude for many of us. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. it's such a gift. Yeah. Like, such a gift. As many moments as I was like, screw this, and like pooping in a bag and stuff, <laughs> um, I was like, wow, and this is so worth it. Yeah. Like, this is so worth it. Well, that's beautiful. Let's jump to our lightning round. What is something you learned the hard way in your life that you would be happy for someone else to just learn it the easy way by listening to you say it and they could avoid all that trouble? So something I learned the hard way, I'm continuing to learn the hard way that I wish upon everyone and myself to try the easier route is the listening. Mm-hmm. Is that intuition? I I was actually talking to your amazing wife Mia about oh, yeah. this yesterday. Yeah, and I realized when talking to her that I was like, "Wow, 
every time that I've gone with my gut, however you phrase it, gone with your gut, gone with your intuition, Mm -hmm. gone with that feeling under the feeling, every time I'm 10 out of 10. And so why don't I freaking do that every time? Right. Well, because it's scary, it's uncertain, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, and yet, like, I actually I have an actual track record. Right. You have evidence. <laughs> right. Yeah. You. And so, yeah, I guess yeah. that isn't an easy way to do a hard thing per se, but I just, it's something I'm working on that is a, is an offering to others if they want to try it out. And then what is something you learned the hard way, but you're really glad that you learned it the hard way because there was no better way for you to learn it. That, that was the, the camper van world we just talked about yeah Yeah. i would say i know it's top of mind right now but it truly i would have done it again yeah i would have done it i'll do it again probably (laughs) we'll (laughs) see stay tuned so all those lessons you learned in the camper from that solitude from that experience they needed to they needed that yeah Yeah. it had to go how it went you know and i did listen to people i did listen to like the hashtag van lifers who yeah. you know grammed the whole time and stuff which no shame i love you because i you helped me get like ideas yeah um and and listen to just other people that kind of went on a nomadic sort of unconventional journey literally yeah. and figuratively and i think like no matter how many podcasts i listened to and stuff like i still had to do it myself and it still had to be my way and it still had to be my hard way. Mm, I, yeah. you know, I, and I love hearing people's stories, but like, just go do, do, go do the hard thing. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Last but not least. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with um, art therapy or photography or photo directing or all the different parts of your creative career? Oh, a few things. Number one, sleep. I love sleeping. Love that. If that's an okay answer. Of course. <laughs> I love sleeping. Yeah. I'm like a nine-hour gal. Love it. Like on the reg. Respect. Um, yeah. It's it's just the best. Respect and admiration. <laughs> You're like, how? And I, and I don't I don't mean that in that <laughs> shitty thing people do. Like, I wish I had time to sleep. I don't. I do have time. I do have time. I I, I just I wish I yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah. No. And 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 more profoundly per se, doing things like that I don't multitask one of those work things you mentioned into. Mm. So I li- I read so many books throughout grad school or or listened to audiobooks but and I'd go on a hike and listen to the assigned book at the same right. time but I wasn't really hiking. I was doing my homework assignment and choosing to do it in nature which yeah. is also wonderful. Yeah, it's great. But I went on a hike the other day after I graduated and I just I didn't even bring water i just brought my body i was just like let's just walk see where it goes and And, and that's you want to be on record recommending to not bring water (laughs) (laughs) yeah my bad i'm I'm at 7100 feet altitude i'm kidding i'm kidding sorry (laughs) no it's okay yes no waters yeah i just went on a hike to go on a hike yeah yeah like and so and in that vein like i love for example like skiing because all i could do is ski i can't really photograph Mm -hmm. when i ski i can't photograph when i surf i'm good at neither of these but i do i do them seasonally just anything where i'm prohibited from the things that i love in my career and so i love listening to books while hiking but there's something really special right about not yeah. So that's what I'd say. I love that. Last but not least, if somebody wanted to 
follow you or, or see your online footprint in some way or see, I know you have some photography online. You, I, I guess potentially someone in the Santa Fe area might want a therapist. Um, <laughs> how, how can people um, yeah. find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, my handle is at Whitney Travels. Um, and I haven't posted in a couple years, just as a heads up, but you'd be able to see a, you know, a chunk of the camper life there to kind of put visuals to what I spoke to in this podcast. And then I have a super outdated website. It's WhitneyTressel.com. And it's my <laughs> photography from about 10 years ago. Nice. <laughs> and I, I'm just laughing because I bet all of, well, maybe not all, but I bet a good amount of creatives listening can empathize with like, oh, I have to update my website. Yeah. Or, oh, I have to post a gram tomorrow. Like whatever. I just shut it all the hell down for a while. <laughs> so, yeah. But it exists. It's my work. I'll be back on those platforms in a way that feels better than how it did before. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when that'll be. So put on your notifications in two years. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. Thank you, Whitney. And thanks, uh, holy shit, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah. Um, and I look forward uh, to knowing you two thirds of my life and oh three quarters. And, <gasps> and at a certain point, just a it will be a statistical anomaly, the part that we didn't know each other. So That's true. I think. No, it'll still be like 20% if saying, we live to 100. And thank you for your time and your patience with my swirling thoughts. Always. They're swirling. Join the club. <laughs> <laughs>hope you loved that conversation with Whitney as much as I did. I always love talking to Whitney. So Whitney, thank you for letting me record one of our many amazing conversations. And make sure you subscribe and rate and review and do all, do all the app stuff that helps, helps me uh, continue to make this. Thank you to my brother, Adam Salzberg, as always, for mixing the audio and getting it to your ears. The theme song is by Typist, Adam's solo project. All right, I'm going to go back into my nice quiet office and get some work done. And I hope everyone is enjoying the start of 2023 or whatever time period you're listening to this. And maybe you're really, really far off in the future and you're reading my uh, journals and admiring my toolbox cartoon. And uh, see you in two weeks. I've got another episode coming up. It's going to be awesome. Bye. Happy New Year.